Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets close out their in-season tournament in style with a 115-103 victory over the Toronto Raptors and their third straight win in a row. We break down the chaos that was the NBA Cup and where the Nets stand in the NBA hierarchy of the Eastern Conference, all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We're 100% free on all those great platforms. And Doug, a bit of a unique version of a post-game podcast for us because, yes, the Brooklyn Nets get the win. Yes, it's a three-game winning streak. But also, this in-season tournament had some real legs. And wouldn't you know it, the Nets did Boston some favors on the way out the door. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, the Nets did what they were supposed to do. They did, I you know, put up as good of an effort in this in-season tournament as I think you can, right? End up going three and one, just kind of lose out on the on the tiebreakers with the team that they lost to. And I that there's really not that much that can be done about that. But I think in general, I think you like what you saw from the from the in-season tournament just in general. I think yeah. again, we talked about this on previous podcasts. This the Tuesday night in November had juice to it for sure. Like if you were into the NBA, you were into some of what was going on. And, you know, especially with the Nets and just kind of scoreboard watching or you just maybe you had the multi view like we had going on, uh, just watching multiple games at once and just watching Boston steamroll over the Bulls. But, you know, brutal, not brutal, burn for them not to move on. Yeah. Ultimately get the W, get to nine and eight. And that's really the most important thing for the Nets. So I think all in all, a really cool night of basketball. And it's just fun to just, you know, like kind of see what's going around the rest of the league. Know that you're. There's a little bit of fate tied to it, even though it didn't work out for the Nets this time. Yeah, he wanted them to at least hold themselves respectfully inside of the group stage, right? And I, I will say, too, because you're talking about watching multiple games. Now, the Boston one was its own problem. Like, tip of the hat to Chicago. Thanks for nothing. But then you also looked around. Atlanta didn't do you any favors against Cleveland. Miami also uh, took care of Milwaukee. The New York Knicks absolutely trounced the Charlotte Hornets. So in the old, you know, when you think, well, if we just get this one thing to happen here, potentially, there was the direct hierarchy of it. But all the scenarios for the Brooklyn Nets outside of them winning their own game did not break the way it was supposed to. The good news is the Brooklyn Nets beat the Toronto Raptors at home. They have their third straight win here. And I think when we look inside of this game, it did take about five minutes for both squads to wake up to even think that they were playing in an actual basketball game. But then it got back to some of the tenets of what the Nets have done so well so far this season, especially trying to, even though it was a bit of a slog, hit down some clutch perimeter shots when they needed them. Yeah, ultimately, I think they played really well. Look, obviously, win by 12, 115-103, probably a little closer than the score would suggest. They mm-hmm. tacked on a few easy baskets there at the end. This guy, you know, I, I don't think they were ever, it was ever like a huge threat. I, I guess it got a close enough there in the last couple of minutes that before they ultimately pulled away. But I think we've seen this team sort of, you know, over the last couple of games, wake up in the second quarter specifically, right? After maybe just not getting off to too strong of a start, wake up in the second quarter. This one they do, they outscore the Raptors uh, 30 to 23 to start, you know, mini pulling away. Raptors kind of clawed back uh, there in the third quarter. Overall, I think we saw a lot of what the Nets have been mostly trying to do offensively. I think I saw a few different things tonight, which I want to make mention of. We don't have to get into it right away. A few different sort of offensive principles that were, 
on display. I think it's a good sign for them going forward. The Raptors are a team that's probably a little easier to pull some of this stuff off because they're not just like a super, super dynamic team. But overall, this game didn't really deviate too far from what the Nets general principles around just like what they want to do both offensively and defensively. And when you play against the Raptors, I mean, I don't know. Maybe these teams are matched equally in terms of talent overall, right? Like between the two teams. I think it's just a good sign that we just see the Nets continually. I still think just punch above their weight in terms of like who they're actually running out there on the court. Yeah, it was funny. That was actually one of the things I thought about inside of this game as well, because we'll save, as you say, some of the tactics here coming up in a little bit. But when you think about where they are in the standings and the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference, we know we're, be- we're below the Bostons and the Milwaukee's of the world, or maybe below Orlando, who's surging up the board right now, 12 and 5 in third position. But when you look at the recent schedule, and we talked about this even going forward here too, well, there's a lot of winnable games. That's predicated on the idea that in the end, we will look back and think they're better than the Atlanta Hawks. They're better than the Toronto Raptors. Some of these teams may end up making moves when it comes to the deadline. And I'll point out a very obvious one, someone we're going to talk about um, at a later date, Cam Thomas, as far as his return and the update around that. But I'll tell you right now, when you look at Toronto, Pascal Siakam, OG is out there, Barnes is out there. Like They've got their complement, right? They, they've got all the key figures there. If you tell me that the Brooklyn Nets have Cam Thomas, sorry, the early return on this season already tells me he's a difference maker in a lot of these games where maybe they aren't even as close through three or four, you know, three quarters midway through the fourth, and they can pull away a little bit more. It doesn't matter. Injuries happen. But I would say that the Nets going with some veteran heavy talent in absence of some of these other key players are showing you, as you said, punching above their weight, finding a way to scrap out some wins. And it really, again, it feels like a broken record in this in this kind of um, aspect of it. The Nets need these games early in the season. They are, they are not a team that can afford to drop, quote, winnable games. Winnable game on the schedule, Nets go out and get it. Yeah, and I think actually one underrated thing, I, I do want to talk about Royce O'Neal because obviously like he was a big story to this game. Oh, yeah. I, I will say an underrated thing about this team. And like, So when you look at the, the Nets team that took the court tonight, you say to yourself, okay, well, they've dealt a lot with injuries. Now, specific, which is true, right? They are missing a couple key guys in, uh, in Cam Thomas and in Ben Simmons. But the team that they ran out here, at least to start, like is a group that has played a lot of minutes together, yes. right? Like yes. because the because it goes back to last year. Um, you know, this is the group that played, you know, pretty much the whole. I don't know, not the second half of the season, but you know, from the trade deadline on, like this was the group, right? Yep. Spencer, Cam, Mikhail, DFS, uh, and Claxton. This group has been good. <laughs> Like just you know, going into this game, so this isn't calculated for this one. It's going to look even better after this one. This group had played 397 minutes, seven net, plus seven net rating, one seventeen offensive, one ten defensive. Like this team is just this that group starting five has been a good NBA starting five over now well over 400 minutes. And like I said, it's going to look even better once these numbers catch up and like the you know, the data is crunched for this next game. I, like. I, it, it shouldn't be that surprising, I guess, <laughs> right? That they can that they can play well, and, and like you can back out some of these injuries because the continuity, at least around that five, and throwing Royce because Royce O'Neal has played a lot of minutes with those guys as well. Those are teams. These this team that's done well. Last year was a problem because after that they had nothing. They had nothing <laughs> like they just I've actually probably had negatives <laughs> that they were bringing in negative kind of guys that that legit aren't even playing in the NBA right now. Like Patty Mills, gone. Joe Harris, love these guys gone. Like these yeah. guys don't play. And so 
I think that like we kind of probably quickly forget that because it's easy to look at the amount of the number of injuries that they've sustained this year and think, oh, okay, well, the King can never get right. That is true, but this group, this group is not true about it. this group has continuity. I think that 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 actually means something. I think that's part of the reason we saw the payoff tonight. That combined with having a deeper bench is what's converted that team that had a below 500 record over those last 27 games, that group of starters you mentioned. Now they're able to win some of those games because you have someone else to pass the baton off to. We'll dive in on a couple of key stats out of the box score here and the new tactics that Doug was very pleased about from Jock Vaughn and the Brooklyn Nets. After we remind you, though, man, we, our partners over at eBay have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd. Everybody knows him to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for your daily draft or you're scouting that waiver wire every week, we're going to be providing you with players guaranteed to fit onto your roster. Dougster, let's take a look at who Josh has on is eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Yeah, Josh got some good ones uh, going out here this week. First one, Jaden Ivey. Now, the Pistons stink, but that's not. we don't really care about that too matter. much for fantasy purposes. Uh, Jaden Ivey uh, ran to the starting lineup over Killian Hayes now. He's really stepped it up, getting to the hoop, getting a lot more shots. Again, the Pistons are not a good team, but his minutes have been pretty safe, and that says something for one thing when you're playing on a bad team for your minutes to be safe. So he likes Jaden Ivey. I like that one too. Maybe like Sadiq Bey. They lost, uh, the Hawks lost Jalen Johnson for a while here. Sadiq Bey is now going into the starting lineup for the Hawks. Minutes are the real key component to a lot of your fantasy plays. If you're going to see a bump in minutes, Sadiq Bey uh, is definitely one of those guys, guys that's going to do it. A couple more. He had Al Horford. He's been filling in for Staps. Uh, and they've been keeping the minute run on him pretty high, too. So you got to like that. Gordon Hayward, unfortunate brutal injury to LaMelo Ball. Gordon Hayward going to handle more on-ball duties with LaBello out of the mix. Just some of the what Josh Lloyd is throwing out there on the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast, trying to win you your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, the prices you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusion. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so as we continue to wrap up the 115-103 victory for the Brooklyn Nets over the Toronto Raptors and effectively the end of the in-season tournament as we see it, although I'll be interested actually to keep my eye on Vegas and now you get to these other semifinals and there's there's some teams, right? Boston makes it through. I think that makes it exciting. I think that sets up to maybe have some teams be a little bit chippier earlier in the playoffs should they meet again. But Doug, I think this sets the table for when we talk about how the Nets found, found a way to win this game, maybe in a less than typical fashion because the Nets were outshot in terms of just overall from the field, 101 to 89. And then the more damning thing from a Nets perspective is they shot just 13 to 38, 34% from beyond the arc. Those numbers, if again, we say, look at the box score, you go, oh boy, the Nets specifically could be in a really hard spot. I thought getting to the free throw line was a big factor inside of this, and we'll get to Spencer Dinwiddie in that vein. But what did you see offensively that allowed them to find a way to, to still get a lead here as they work through the second and third quarters? All right, yeah. Before we talk to that, I do want to just make mention of Royce O'Neal here, right? So because a big part of this. Is crazy. Big, uh, it's choice Royce, uh, baby. 
there's a couple of the X's and O's things, but before that, Royce O'Neal, you have we have to make mention that we went through the first 10 minutes. I mean, my goodness, six for 12 from three. He right. follows up another good shooting game. He actually hadn't really shot, to, and it actually looked rough for him for a few games in a row uh, where we were kind of just head scratching, right? Like he had a, oh, he had shot, he played 25 minutes, took no threes against Philly, looked was terrible. Uh, the Atlanta game kind of did, kind of got X out of the, the rotation and only shot two, didn't make anything, went 0 for two. Get starts to kind of climb back into things in Miami and then starts to break it out of the box in Chicago, six for 10 and then six for 12. He's uh, 12 for his last 22 from beyond the arcs. Got himself up over 40% three point shooting for the season. I mean, it's obviously not sustainable, but he was feeling it tonight for sure. I know sometimes fans want to just you know get a little frustrated with the play, and he definitely has pulled a disappearing act for multiple games, right? So, like, there's a reason to not, you know, just be riding the Royce O'Neal train all the way through here. But this is a nice little glimpse of a guy like this is what he can do. Like he can still bomb from three. If he's given open looks, it, it always it looks like it gets up there in slow motion, but it definitely ends up going in and a one and a two. Well, and I'll tell you right now, this is like having your cake and eating it too, because whether you think that you want the nets to like keep things together and have a good versatile rotation that can like go later into the season and a guy that can kind of play with a lot of different lineups. Well, that's great. Check. If, on the other hand, you are trying to build up uh, trade value because this is going to kind of guy that's going to maybe be moved sometime in the trade deadline. I don't think you're going to get a first for him at this point, but maybe you're just looking to get assets. Okay, great. Check also because now he's actually showing that he has the ability to do this stuff. So, like, yeah. for a guy like him, I think it is important for him to stay in the rotation, and it's really nice to see these kind of shooting displays because everyone else gets to see these too. And the numbers just end up becoming the numbers. And if he's a 40% three-point shooter – like that has value either on your team or out there on the market. Yeah, we talked about him coming into this season. I said, go back to that last 27 games a year ago. He maintained the consistency after the trade. A lot of guys look different, didn't look as productive. When we talk about going, by the way, for Royce, starting role, bench role, pseudo point guard, small ball five. Like they asked him to do a lot of different things. And I'd highlighted this the other day, combining him with Dorian Finney-Smith. But you mentioned it. Royce O'Neal is averaging six three-point attempts per game. Probably even goes up a little bit off of this one once they improve the numbers. The Nets have six players taking at least six three-point attempts per game, and Lonnie Walker is almost there at 5.8. Among those guys, after Lonnie at 47%, and he had, and he had a little bit of an off night tonight for himself, it's Dorian Finney-Smith, and now it's Royce O'Neal up over 40%. Those two veteran players, just to your point, they are the guys that have been critical to stemming the tide with some injuries early in the year, especially when Cameron Johnson was out. And they might be critical to this team getting extra value beyond this season should they make different decisions down the line. Inside of this game specifically, though, especially when you go back and watch the early portion of this, and if we extend it out even into some of the rest of the players inside of this rotation, it was a really brutal night from, for Spencer Dinwiddie from a shooting perspective. That's when you need to be able to look to one of these veterans to say, pick up the slack on this. It was all Royce. If you back out his minutes tonight with the way Lonnie was struggling a little bit, this would be a very different game. That's, that's why when you're shooting volume like this, sometimes it needs to be up to one guy to kind of really carry it. That was all Royce. Didn't take a single shot anywhere inside the arc. Yeah, and actually that dovetails pretty well into like what I was thinking about some of the things that we saw from the offense. Now, obviously Dinwiddie's 5 for 18 looks bad, but the 10 for 10 from the line looks great. And that's not yep. it wasn't by accident. Like him getting to the line 10 times was not by accident. It was by design. The Nets do the Nets. One of their go-to just sort of offensive sets is trying to get, especially if they have if a team has slower bigs, they are trying 
working overtime to get those bigs into ISO actions, right? And they'll and they'll just re, they'll screen and rescreen until usually Dinwiddie gets on a guy like Jakob Pertl and can kind of like take him to the rack or run the pick and roll with a, with a lob threat. You know, the lobs didn't always connect in this game, but there was definitely an effort to do it. I mean, he did finish with Dinwiddie for all the shooting problems. It was a 23-8-9 in this game, right? I, I so, say, yeah. Yeah. And so he and getting to the line like that was there. There was a there was a they were working overtime to try to get him fouled like because and he and it worked right. Like he wants to get into those. He wants to like if they're not going to tag the screener. He's going to try to get into the mid range. He's really good at that sort of rip move to kind of get up and get fouled. And he sells it pretty well. And so I think overall we saw that. And also. But that's like a usual thing for the Nets. Like they do that a lot. Like they run that they run that high screen big switch stuff a decent amount might be probably the most popular of their offensive sets probably um second thing that i think i saw a lot tonight was a lot more pinned down off ball screening um it wasn't hugely they didn't use it a ton but they definitely used it more saw multiple times where cam johnson was screening for a pin downs for mikhail off ball they they were they were running those to be off ball screens like not like a spain pick and roll like screen the screener stuff but like making sure that the they could get one switch before the next switch. And it, they didn't do it a ton, but they did it enough to notice. And I was like, oh, this is good. Like they are getting a little bit more off-ball screening action, pin-down action to be able to free up the shooters or to get like shooters in space or guys like space to be able to take a dribble and either get into the mid-range or get to the rim. That's a good sign for the Nets to have like something more of a – dynamic offense going forward they definitely need to be doing that especially without cam thomas on the court so it was really good i think from those two perspectives to see that kind of stuff happen tonight yeah the off ball you mentioned it there was a couple of backdoor cuts for mikhail bridges getting at the basket with relative ease but it's it's the byproduct of setting it up the right way far too often we talked about as mikhail bridges you look inside of his box score nine and 17 only had three attempts from beyond the arc but came away with 10 rebounds five assists 22 points and a plus 15 margin but the off-ball work for him, we said, putting Mikhail constantly into the ISO where he has to go and create his own space and his own shot. Now, he can navigate into that mid-range, and it's great. But the way to make the offense a little more cohesive, right, a little more free-flowing possession-to-possession where we don't feel like it stagnates is that thing. How do you create off these screens and double screens or pin-downs an availability for Mikhail to say, now I'm running, right? Now I'm running free. I get the ball in my hand. And we've seen that. When he's in the open, when he's in open space, whether in transition or getting to the half court sets, you know that he makes the right basketball decision almost more often than not. So I thought that that was a really productive way for this team to look at a game like this in a matchup like this and say, yeah, there is kind of a systematic way that we can start to break them down. Wasn't pretty early, but they really did the job late. Coming up here in a second, take a little nod and some historical reference to Nicholas Claxton and his defensive performance and just kind of tie a little bow here on the Brooklyn Nets three game winning streak. We'll do that coming up in just one second. All right, before we talk about that, we'll get into our friends over at FanDuel right now. On FanDuel, new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. If you listen to the pregame show, Toronto, Brooklyn, we were on the money line minus 133. You got your $5 money line bet in that, bam. You got $150 uh, in bonus bets from FanDuel. That's because your team won. And that's what the Nets have been. Hey, look. There's nothing better than having your team win and grabbing some bonus bets from uh, from FanDuel at the same time. You got to be a new customer. You got to use the promo code locked on. It's all good to go. FanDuel's got the spreads. They got the player props. They got the over under. So much more. 
Really not going to find it more betting options really anywhere else. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off this season. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, so as we wrap up the victory for the Brooklyn Nets, a couple of things here. I'm going to do one for the Brooklyn Nets and then also one on the other side for the Toronto Raptors because young players and talent in the NBA are always impressive. Nicholas Claxton had four blocks tonight, Doug, and this was yep. per uh, Nets PR. He moved into third all-time in their first eight games for the Brooklyn Nets behind only Sean Bradley and Daryl Dawkins. Moved ahead of, you can name him, 2000, 2001, Doug. Front of your lobe, who's the guy? High flyer, not a pure center. Hit me with it. Blocks. Oh, is it Kenny, Kenny Martin? Martin? I knew you'd get there. I didn't even have to help you. Never was going to land that one. I was I was shocked by that, by the way. I said Kenny Martin. Kenny you heard Martin. me say it, right? <laughs> what? I said Kenya Martin. Did you not oh, hear me yeah. say it? Oh, wow. Great. Check the tape, guys. Give him full credit for that one. Sorry. I was too busy assuming that Doug would not be that sharp of an eagle eye. Really a, a, a reminder with Nicholas Claxton. They tried to hack him late in this game. He's doing just enough, maybe at the free throw line. Usually not tonight. 62% on the season, but one for four this evening. I just, I keep coming back to the way he works around the basket. He had eight rebounds in this game. The four blocks really, really kind of, I think, symbolized exactly what you need him to be in a game like this rim protector. And by the way, they didn't do a ton of this either. I know I'm going long winded. There was a there was a point here where I also saw an effort to keep Claxton from having to get all the way out to the perimeter without following his assignments defensively away, just so that he was in position to anchor and provide that help defense around the rim. There was a little bit of a balancing act there, I think, for some stretches, especially when you have a Siakam, a Scotty Barnes, and Ojalik. You have guys that can get around there and cause problems defensively. It was just a really nice game for him all around. Still just annoyed you didn't hear me say Kenya Martin. Just go back yeah, and re-listen. I'll check the tape just to confirm that. I feel like full I think credit you thought I was it. checked out, but I, I think you thought I was checked out, but I was listening and I was I was formulating the answer and I said <laughs> it. And then I was like annoyed that you said it at the same time. So I was like, dude, I got this. No worry. Don't no worry. Um, yeah, no, look, Claxton has just made so many improvements here. It like it is there's a clear comfort with him. The the role is perfect for what he needs to do. Like he's gonna be a guy that we're gonna have real questions about because he's gonna command big money. Like he deserves it. It's uh like it's gonna be well deserved. The the guy's playing at an elite level, especially defensively. He makes some really high degree of difficulty blocks yeah. that like I, it's one thing to block shots. It's another thing to sort of like block the kind of shots that he blocks. All right. Like like the one that they replayed that the Scotty, the one that uh, they got it overturned where it was going to be, uh, they called the goaltending and then oh, yeah, got yeah. it overturned. Like that's a, not an easy block. That ball is up. He was catching it all, already going up. It was really high up in the air and he wasn't that close to it. To catch that ball still on the arc up is just not easy to do. We've seen him make offhand blocks, which is another thing that's incredibly difficult. The guy's just like, he's just awesome. He's awesome. And there's still comfort around the rim in terms of his offensive game. I think we've seen that grow. I I I we I don't think we've seen the ceiling with him yet. Um, I I'm not sure what the ceiling is. It's probably not so so much higher, but I still do not think we are there with it. And it's just yeah, the guy he's he's awesome. And I was gonna get a little concerned because Dayron had a rough game this game, and they kept him really late into it, like within like three minutes or three and a half minutes left to go, and Claxton hadn't checked back in. And I was like, oh, baby, I was actually worried he might have been hurt. But then they just kind of were waiting for it. And he checked in on the timeout. But yeah, overall, just like a total A plus effort for him. I did uh, Dayron in the first 
like two and a half minutes of his game action. I was like, oh, he's putting together a nice little performance. Nothing after that necessarily continued to inform that perspective on him. Just a, a little bit of a rougher night for him. Before we get out of here, I will say, because I think it, whether it's going to be in our bonus podcast episode tonight or in an entirely separate one, I have a very clear perspective on why exactly what Doug was talking about, we're talking about with Claxton, cannot be overlooked when it talks about retaining him or not. Because the future could be a world where you say, if only we had a player like, like Nicholas Claxton. You have him right now. Scotty Barnes, though, we don't often give uh, credit to the other team. Scotty Barnes, 300-plus points, 150-plus rebounds, 100-plus assists, 30-plus steals, and 20-plus blocks in this first 18 games. It's the most since 84-85. Giannis hit that mark in 2016-17. When you talk about just like singular talents you know, and appreciating really quality players in the league, Scotty Barnes is a really young guy that obviously if the Nets could have could have sent any of the stars in order to get him a couple, you know, a couple off seasons ago, they would have impressive, man. Like I, I'll, I'll pluck that out, even if he didn't jump off the screen necessarily in tonight's game. I mean, he, like, you know, not all uh, improvement is linear, right? Growth is linear in the NBA. And he kind of had what a lot of people would consider to be a down year last year. Yeah. All of a sudden, if he's, he's going to shoot 38 percent. Um, from three, like just for starters, he's a superstar. Uh, he's yeah. probably getting close to that already. Every number for him is up, even though even though the minutes are down. Like he's up, you know, two and a half rebounds this year. He's, the assists are up. The scoring is up. The three point percentage is so much better. Like just like everything basically is better for him at twenty two years old. Yeah, he's awesome. I, like he's a centerpiece kind of guy, right? Like, and um, I, I not much more to say about that except for like it's it's a good reminder. And we're seeing this with other players now, too. It's a good reminder about not just watching a guy in like their second year or something like that and just thinking like that's the story and yep. it's written in pen and like and and it's and that's just it, right? Like, because there's just so many cases of guys third year, fourth year, where it like really starts to make the ascension, especially if they're super young, like got into the league at 19 or something like that, like Scotty did. Like, it's just a reminder to say, hey, just because it's like this now, especially when there's pedigree mm -hmm. and Barnes like had pedigree as a high draft pick, that like we shouldn't just write the story and think it's just totally over. Like, we're seeing this, you see this every like Kate, Kate Cunningham, like every everyone, like it's just, it just happens all the time with these guys. Now, sometimes it's, you know, I don't know who's, I can't think of, I, I'll think of a name, but like sometimes it just never comes around, right? Right. Sure. Like, um, it, but, there are times like this where it's like, oh, you just need to get in the third year to start feeling really comfortable, get point guard duties, get Fred Van Vliet out of there so you're running more pick and roll, like right. stuff like that, right? So Wiseman is the guy I was trying to think of. Like sometimes it just never happens. Like James, it's just like, okay, he was number one pick. It's over. Don't worry about yeah. it. But these big wing guys, if they can figure out the spacing and the shooting, I mean – there's like it's hard to see the ceiling sometimes. And that's yeah. where he's that's where he's kind of trending toward. And that's so listen, as as I say, with the Nets winning this game, and I think that that stat like that, a player that does feel like he's taking that next big step forward, Pascal Siakam being on the floor for them. We often talk about, hey, if you said who would you take first on either one of these squads? Well, guess what? You might end up with more Raptors at the top than you would Brooklyn Nets, at least in the immediate. And yet the Nets find a way to get wins against these type of teams, get themselves their third straight victory and continue to put themselves right now. Game above 500, nine and eight. That's all you can ask for. And uh, I think, oh, I want to say six and four at home to this point of the season. So also protecting home court in Brooklyn. That's all I can ask for, Doug. That's all I got.
All right, a little bit of break here. Thursday they play against Charlotte. Got to be a W in Charlotte here. Uh, like, got to get the 10 and 8. Charlotte, no LaMelo ball for a long time. We're going to get into some other stuff. We'll get into the post-podcast podcast talking about Cam Thomas. Make sure in the interim that you are subscribed over on YouTube. It's just a single click. Just subscribe on YouTube. doesn't cost you anything. It'll alert you when we're going to be going live, which we're doing after every single game, and get you the game previews everything else. Make sure you subscribe in the podcast as well. Uh, those are just two ways to help the show for free. If you want to jump in for a way that's not for free, but you want to take a free trial, join subtext.com slash locked on nets. You go over, you join the conversation with Adam and I uh, over on subtext. So join subtext.com slash locked on nets. If you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you'll never get it done. That's Bruce Lee. Oh, one of the RIP. We'll hold on the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow and in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.